Hello and welcome to the Story X Story podcast, where we discuss stories across pop culture, plus give you advice on creating your own. It's episode number 64 and I'm your co-host, Nigel. I'm Tazzy, content creator and co-host. And our guest for this discussion on streaming and storytelling is screenwriter Jed Shepard. Jed, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, guys. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, nice to meet you, Tazzy. And Nigel, I know you from our geeky WhatsApp groups and Comic-Cons and stuff. I've been following the rise of Jed's career uh, while I've been <laughs> <laughs> on this WhatsApp group. This is why uh, we had to get him on. And as we do with uh, our episodes, we like to bring on people who know what they're talking about uh, and ask them questions so that we learn something. And hopefully you learn something by listening to this. Uh, so we're going to get into that in just a moment. I just want to let people know that you can subscribe to Story X Story on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you get your podcast from. You can also send us feedback and questions to feedback at mymatter.com in our Discord or on social media. We are at mymatter on Twitter, at mymattertees on Instagram or at Tazzy on both. So before we get into our discussion on streaming and its effect on storytelling, we're gonna start with a quick update from the MyMatter universe. And because we're talking about stories today, uh, I thought I'd give a quick update on the progress of our latest story, Serious Through the Fog. So pre-orders are now available on the MyMatter website for our next manga, which is a follow-on story from the Serious Volume 1, which sees Blake and his team uh, face an unprecedented challenge of uh, having to navigate their way through a pandemic, um, sort of inspiration from where we are. Uh, now so they are having to go through that and it's a story about like resilience and keeping sight of your goals when faced with just uh, crazy stuff <laughs> happening all around you so we'll be in the process of making the artwork well, actually as you listen to this we live we will have started the artwork so we're going to be sharing that with our kickstarter backers but also uh, putting bits out on social media we're also going to be talking more about the story later on in a mid-season live stream in june with our illustrator Penali, my medical founder Lau, and story editor Lara Lee. Uh, Tazzy will be there also. Have you actually confirmed that with them now then? Oh, you know what, did I? I feel, I feel <laughs> I've, I've got everyone but Lau. So good, thanks for reminding me. <laughs> I feel like last time we recorded, <laughs> yeah, I know, it was like, like, I should probably ask them. <laughs> so I think we've got two of the three, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get Lau. We'll see what happens uh, with Lau. So stay tuned for that as well. <laughs> as well as the progress of the comic itself. One of the things that we've been able to do as part of this comic is invite young people to work on concept art as part of their work experience. So people that follow our gamepad event might know that as part of what we do, we use um, our brand as a platform for work experience uh, programs. So we bring on young people around college or uni age to do different tasks, whether it's around gamepad or in the case of our manga, develop concept art. So that's been a new thing that we've started this year in terms of concept art. And another thing that we've got coming up on the podcast is an interview with Bob Cheshire, who is a concept artist that has worked on various Marvel, Star Wars, and Jurassic World films. So that interview is coming in May, and we're going to talk to him about what is concept art, some of the work that he does, how he got there, and if anyone is interested in concept art or illustration as a career, a good opportunity to learn something. I know that's what I'll be doing, so I'll be able to better instruct future 
work experience uh, students. So definitely looking forward to that. And uh, yeah, so stay tuned. Now let's get into today's discussion. Today we're talking about streaming and specifically the impact it has had and will continue to have on the types of stories that we watch. So like I mentioned, with our discussion episodes, we like to bring in people who know what they are talking about and just ask them questions. So uh, for people who don't know Jed, uh, I'll give a bit of uh, background. So Jed is a screenwriter whose work includes the Sundance favorite Dawn of the Deaf and Host, which has been called the scariest movie of the past decade and the genre phenomenon of 2020. Yeah, it was it was actually Forbes magazine that said the genre phenomenon of 2020, uh, which is like cra- crazy for them to even be talking about like my movie. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 crazy because obviously, and we'll get into it, but like we didn't expect it to have this much hype at all. So just to get all of these wow. kind of all this praise is is, is so unexpected. Yeah, because I remember on the. Uh, chat because we've never met in person but we've spoken through the, the we magical have you know we have actually met in person oh wow this is a, a scoop <laughs> for me okay let's let's rewind where, I, met where you at met? Co- I met you at oh, comic-con wow i met you a couple of times i remember actually. i remember <laughs> I was wow you know rich, what rich... i never never put that together <laughs> yeah, and, that's, man. and that's strange because i usually remember people um who've come by the store i remember at comic-con yeah, so yeah, I lied. Yeah, yeah. I lied. There you go. <laughs> we have met. We've met multiple times. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that's bad on me. So rewind. We've met before, Jed. But <laughs> we've met before. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's crazy. Uh, so, but I, I learned about uh, sort of your film specifically through the WhatsApp group when yeah. you had turned up on BBC, uh, on some BBC yeah. program talking about it. Um, it was breakfast, you, man. Yeah, it was a breakfast. Out uh, of breakfast show, so that doesn't happen usually. <laughs> and then since then, it's just been like uh, so. Jed just like posts uh, what he's been up to, who he's been talking with. Uh, so I'm going to say some stuff that I, okay. I can say. So you're currently working on three upcoming movies, including a film with Sam Raimi. Am I allowed to say yeah. that? Or will I have to edit that? Yeah, out? yeah. No, that's right. Okay, the, cool. The, th- the, the three upcoming movies are with Blumhouse. Um, who make like those big horror movies? So I'm doing three movies with them, and then separately doing a film with Sam Raimi as well. Okay, so it's four projects. Oh, there's probably eight or nine to be oh, quite wow. honest. But <laughs> okay. We, have, we, uh, okay. we haven't. I've only got so much space in the in the yeah, show notes, Jed. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, there's there's a lot, there's a lot, there's a lot coming out. Um, yeah, I'm just taking advantage because you know, like this, I, I just feel like there's only a small window when I'm going to be like hyped so i'm just taking advantage of it and just signing Do you feel deals that? <laughs> yeah I, i've heard I people think, say things like that but it's interesting that you're that's your approach i'm just realistic and i just think i've seen people make stuff and then just disappear into thin air and i don't want that to be me so i'm just making sure i set air while i'm hot i'm just setting loads of stuff up for the future so i i know my next few years like so yeah so i'm always going to have stuff stuff coming out so i'm not yeah. just going to be like a one and done person and that's why I'm branching into into different media as well, just to make sure to keep my longevity around. Yeah, no, that makes that makes sense. So, I mean, tell us a bit about Host. So, it, it's a yeah. it's a horror film, and yeah. it is 
you know what got you on BBC and and you mentioned Forbes and and other places and, and future opportunities so how did that come about and you know to relate it to our uh topic for today what was different about the way you made it yeah, so as you as you know, at the start of lockdown, uh, we didn't we didn't really know how long this was going to last. So me and my friends, uh, we'd be making another WhatsApp group, uh, not the one that we're in, uh, Nigel. I'm in another WhatsApp there's group. There's another called, one. There's oh, another wow. one, <laughs> and it's called the Quarantine Movie Club. It just set up on day one of lockdown, and it was for me and some friends to watch films every day. And in that group is actors, uh, the director producer, um, costume lady, um, VFX person, and stunt people. And there's, there's maybe about 20 people in that group, maybe less. And yeah, for six weeks, six whole weeks, we were watching a film every single day, um, like at eight, eight or nine o'clock a day. We'd, we'd just all stream something on Netflix at the same time with Netflix party. And um, it just got six weeks later, we'd, we'd just run out of films to watch. We'd watched everything you can think of. <laughs> Honestly, we we the last film we watched, I think, was Waterworld, and we thought, now nah, this this is oh, wow. this is done. <laughs> We're done now. This this group is not good. So uh, Rob Savage, who directed Host, um, he called me up and said, "Jed, I've got an idea to prank our friends." And I was like, "Okay, show me." He showed me what he wanted to do. He wanted to film himself go into his, into his attic. A zombie jumps out at him, and then he falls down and dies. And I was like, Rob, nobody, nobody's going to fall for this. Like our friends are like clever people, intelligent people, they're adults. <laughs> they're not going to fall for this trick. And of course they fell for that trick. And, and we recorded it and then we put it online. And we, me and Rob had just come, we come, come from the shorts world. We just made short films really. And um, it had some success, but it ha- wasn't seen by millions and millions and millions of people. This kind of, weird little prank video got seen by 17 million people in in the space of a couple of days <laughs> and we were like what is going on this is crazy so because like we we were known in the kind of the, the horror world and in the film world a little bit from our shorts we, we started getting offers for because people were saying hey you've obviously got a uh, i really liked your short like it wasn't a short to us. It was like a prank video. Really like your short. Um, what's what's the film version going to be like? And we were like, oh yeah, yeah. We we've got we've got a film version in our pocket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Rob called me up and said, hey, everyone's asking about a, f- a film version of this. What have you got? And I'm just like, I have no idea. But like, just leave it with me, and I'll come up with something. So it was four thirty in the morning. Um, that same kind of day, and it just came to me, and I and I text Rob the director of those two words and those two words the immortal words were zoom seance and then i fell asleep and then i woke up about five hours later and he was like oh that's all we need and he pitched it to a bunch of studios literally all he said was we've only got two words zoom seance and we're going to use our friends and surprisingly everyone was into it so the only studio that that wanted to let us make it in lockdown was shudder a a real niche streaming platform that's kind Mm. of big in america nobody knew here so we so we thought okay so no one's going to really see this movie but oh well we'll have fun making it with our friends so the whole thing was we wanted it out by the end of lockdown and at that point boris uh, our prime minister for those americans listening said to us yeah you thought you had a short public, time yeah <laughs> little did he, you know exactly well he said it lockdown would end definitely 100 percent end with the last day would end on august 1st so we thought okay cool this needs to be out by july 30th so this is what we told shudder and they're like this this is 12 weeks away and we were like yeah 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 so they gave us the money and then we had to write it and obviously 
with that ticking clock against you, it was hard to kind of picture like in 12 weeks time, this is going to be out like streaming for people to watch. So because we knew our friends were going to be involved, we got them all on Zoom. We were like, look, we're going to make this film. We've given us the money to make it. And we know it's going to be a seance. And we know, and me and Rob kind of knew how we wanted to kill all of them as well. We, we kind of briefly wrote down how we were going to kill them. And we knew it was going to be on Zoom. So first things first, we have to get them to agree to it, or, or the cast, the five lead girls. Hmm. And they were like, sure. They, they just thought it was like a silly little thing. They didn't realize it was going to be big or anything. They literally were just like, oh, okay, yeah, that sounds fine. That's cool. And then uh, we basically had to speak to Zoom to let us use their logo and their assets and stuff. And they were like, oh, okay. boom. You just said to them, yeah, and that's why we, we could use real Zoom. Um, yeah. And then we had to write it. And uh, we brought on another writer. Me and Rob brought on another writer to help us called Gemma Hurley. Because me and Rob are close to, close to those girls and we needed an outside point of view. Like We had two weeks to write it, so we couldn't let any of our biases, any of our the people that we're closest to in the group kind of affect how we're going to write this. So we brought in Gemma and then we did a real seance with a real medium to help us get into the into the mood and see how these, these girls would work in a real seance environment. So we did that, we recorded that, and we basically got all of them to... Um, uh, do what they would normally what they were doing in real life so yeah so we we, we took what we learned from their experiences in, in a real seance and what we know about them as people and we wrote it in 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 two weeks and that was it and then rob and our producer rob savage the director and our producer uh, douglas cox basically made the film it, the principal shooting time was another <laughs> couple of weeks and they just shot the girls um it was actually shot on iphones it was iphones taped to the back of their laptops i was going to ask that okay because i was going to say the, the quality looks pretty good better than i've seen yeah <laughs> and a few zoom calls yeah it's 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 not zoom we didn't use a frame from zoom <laughs> yeah. like it was shot on iphones because a lot of the cast's internet wasn't very good so we needed to make sure that it wouldn't cut out or anything so they used the um iphone 11s taped to the back of their laptops but they still had Zoom up, but just just so they could see each other. And yeah, so uh, shot in a couple of weeks and maybe another week of pickups or something. And then um, the rest was was editing and uh, VFX and stuff. Yeah, and we delivered it two, with two days to spare. So we delivered it on July 28th. It was out on July the 30th. And it dropped. And we just thought, okay, that's that done. On, on to whatever's, uh, whatever's next. But on the first day... Like the first bit of press came out from Dread Central, who are a big horror site, and they said, "This is the scariest film of the decade, the most <laughs> most important movie since the Blair Witch Project." And we were like, "What?" And then yeah, and then Forbes was saying the the genre phenomenon of twenty twenty, and then it just kept, continued and continued and continued. The girls went on to like Fox to like talk about it. I, me and Rob were on BBC Breakfast, and we went on to ITV six o'clock news. This is the height of COVID, by the way. Don't forget. So there was just mm. there were stories about like people, like thousands of people dying, and then then the presenter, Lucrezia, Lucrezia, the um the presenter, she's so cool. It's like, and up next, two filmmakers from South London, and they've made a film like on Zoom called Host, and then we had like a ten to fifteen minute segment with her. Um, and Rob scared her like on live national TV as well. Like he set up a prank. <laughs> it's really really cool. And like like I talk to her all the time. That newsreader all the time as well. And it just expanded, 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 and just it just seemed like the entire world liked it. And then all of a sudden, it did the opposite of what a film usually does. Like this started out on a small stream platform that hardly anyone has got. And then 
went into the cinemas. It played on Halloween. It played over 150 cinemas in the UK. And then it went worldwide. It played drive-ins in America, um, played in Russia, Japan. Um, it's currently on Netflix in Latin America. So lots of host fans there. Yeah, it's, it's still worldwide right now. And, and yeah, and still now uh, it's it, it's going. The, the host train continues. <laughs> that is yeah that's absolutely insane and you mentioned yeah. like you you made it you put it out and then you moved on <laughs> and it's yeah. the idea of like while you moved on you thought that was it then all mm-hmm. this all this uh this press this positive reception was happening and then came back to you and now it's kind of yeah it sounds like it's opened up like major doors for you it, yeah it really has like it was i was doing maybe like six or seven podcasts and interviews per day for maybe like a good six months like every single day Mm. um and the rest of the cast and crew just stopped doing them after like the first couple of months (laughs) but i i kept going because i'm just like this may be the only time we ever get to do this (laughs) like so but i also knew like i like in the back of my mind i was like i want i want to do lots of other cool stuff i want to make these relationships now i want to i I want these magazines and i want these podcast people to know me i want everyone to know me so when i do something else that will blow up as well like hosted so i was very network yeah and i've got big like my online kind of credibility has kind of gone up a lot in the last like six months and it'll just help going forward like with just anything i do i think that is really cool and yeah, I'm glad you didn't stop doing podcasts. Um, so yeah, <laughs> glad you can join us uh, here. So one of the things that like we do as part of our podcast and uh, just brand with Gamepad is because I, I work with young people doing you know different sort of creative stuff or would like to do different creative things. I was mindful of asking people like yourself who are kind of you know on their way. Like where where did this success come in your career? So like what had you been doing yeah. before because you know sometimes there'll be people who who see you and assume this is the first thing that you've done yeah and, and this is how it started and this was always the plan uh obviously we kind of dispelled some of that but if you just give us a sense of like what you'd been doing before uh before this point yeah well i can i can kind of see it from from people's point of view if they look at me and think oh overnight success that's not the case I, i've been here the I, i've been here the entire time doing stuff and it's only now that they <laughs> that people have found me <laughs> So yeah, just making making uh, shorts with Rob. Me and Rob, we'd made three shorts. First one was called Absence, starring Paul Paul McGann, who was like eighth Doctor Who and with Nail and I and stuff. We made that for three hundred pound with our own money. We put it in. We put it into some film festivals. It got into London Film Festival, some other big ones. We won a bunch of awards, and then we did Dawn of the Death. Uh, we submitted that to festivals. Got into every big festival you can think of. We got to Sundance with it, which is the kind of biggest one. So we did that whole thing, and um, and that film is where we found Haley Redina and Caroline, who's in host as well, because uh, again we used our own money. But the Central School of Speech and Drama, this drama school in London, said that they'd give us a couple of grand if we used um, a few of their students. Uh, luckily, those students were Caroline Redina and and Haley, who we used in in host and. Also in a bunch of other things, and um, and yeah, that that was the kind of thing that got people to kind of recognise us as like good filmmakers. And then we made the one after that called Salt. Um, that was two thousand eighteen. Um, we made that for Fox for the it was two minutes long. We made it for the advert break of American Horror Story for Halloween. That was yeah, that was the kind of the biggest thing we'd done up to that point. Um, and yeah, and that was just a sensation and kind of opened up Hollywood for us. 
so that's how we got relationships with pretty much every Hollywood studio, and which is why when uh, we were pitching a Zoom movie, everyone was interested because they just wanted to do stuff with us. Okay. Yeah, so we had that that relationship. We had a relationship with Shudder as well because we were trying to get uh, our shorts onto their platform. So that's kind of why like they were into us because they already knew our, our stuff as it is. And yeah, and the, and the deals with that we did with Sam Raimi and Studio Canal, we already actually had that set up before Host. We had that set up because of our shorts. So Sam Raimi recognised us from from the get go, way way before Host. So so yeah, that's kind of how it started. And I've always been someone who's been into horror. My mum's from Philippines, so I was kind of taught from an early age that monsters and ghosts are real, real things that you have to interact with in real life. And obviously, and I I'm very skeptical about that kind of thing. But like having that being told to you by a parent definitely makes you want to research monsters and creatures and ghosts so i did that when i was a kid like you can ask richard and jason who mutual friends we, we went to school together and i was just a horror guy i would just i would just be talking about horror the entire time i would just be reading horror comics i would just be like and hardly anyone else was in it like richard and jason were but like hardly anyone else were into that and it would be and it's something that obviously now, now I'm making these things, I feel like I've got like a like a head start on anyone else because it's all I really think about, like like horror stuff. I'm always yeah. just thinking about the the best way to construct a scare. Um and I and I just constantly watch old horror movies and to figure that out and I'm trying my best to kind of um show people who might might not even be into horror, show them that horror's cool. I feel like the films that I'm making are gateway horror movies uh for people who don't usually watch horror it's the thing to get them into horror like i think like all the best horror films should be it shouldn't just be very exclusive to just the hardcore horror fans it should be open to everyone yeah i totally get that i feel some in some way that's kind of what we had in mind when we started my matter in making sort of gateway manga that is not just for people who are already into manga but that could branch out to other people just might be interested in good stories uh and then sort of find a way to other things and i'd say that yeah that's a good kind of context that you've given as well because one of the things i've sort of picked up is that you had some of the relationships that you were able to take advantage of when host came so you'd already been doing work that and a lot of the times people uh like i've been interviewing uh, over the past year interviewing different people and something that comes up is people saying they're lucky but it's always like someone did something like you took some steps and then when that opportunity came you were ready so yeah it's good that you've highlighted that and i'd say like i do also think i'm lucky by the way i i do actually (laughs) everyone says it (laughs) i do i do actually think i am a little bit lucky like like no joke like i've never then this is weird this is going to make me sound like a weirdo but i've never lost a game of paper scissors stone never (laughs) and like it's 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 ridiculous i don't believe that no it's crazy i I entered as a joke (laughs) i entered this little tournament right and i told them at the start like i was like there's no point me me being in this because i I will win it and i won it (laughs) i won it and it was it was in it was in this gym in in south london there was about maybe 150 to 200 people participating but obviously i i only battled like five or six but i was in the final and i was was just saying to everyone to the crowd i was like there's literally no point because i'm going to win this and like i I won it and everyone was like hey and i was just like stone-faced because i knew i was not going to lose it so that's why i just think i'm just generally lucky or i'm good at mind games because i was definitely in in the mind of that person they were just like oh have you made a story about that somebody who never wins (laughs) never loses (laughs) 
maybe a spirit has like like it's on your side and that's what it is <laughs> no do, do you get guys ever play like alex kid in miracle world where yes. like the bosses the bosses yes. are like paper scissors, scissors, scissors people yeah that's kind of uh that's kind of how i see it like i'm just facing these like bosses when i, when I play paper scissors stone that's bringing up bad flashbacks uh for me that's a hard game um so and then the other thing i'll say because i to your point about like gateway horror for so for me i, I watched it and i'm I really enjoyed it, and I don't usually like horror. Like, I'm not a fan uh, of horror, but you managed to keep my interest for the whole... I think it helps that it's... it's Because it's about an hour runtime, so that kind of helps just keep the attention, but there was no point where I felt switched off. Like, I was always like, what's going to happen next to... Uh, I don't know what the terminology is, but you just you managed to keep that interest and attention suspense all the way all the way through for me. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, it's um, the beauty is of of a host is like it's fifty six minutes, and that's another thing that people were, were just going like, you can't make a film that's fifty six minutes, and and I'm just always like, a story should just be as long, or a film should just be as long as the story lasts. Exactly. Like, why are you padding mm-hmm. films out? Who made up this ninety minute mark? Like, it's crazy. That's from like the nineteen tens, nineteen twenties, that kind of thing. So, films should just be as long as it as it lasts. I completely agree. Just because I had a similar conversation with uh, my new video editor, who's a longtime friend as well. Uh, but she was like saying about um, like cropping down the video and she gave me like a length of time it's going to be. And I was like, I don't care <laughs> how long the video is going to be as long as like it just has to be as long as it needs to be. As long as all the information's still in there, uh, as long as it stays entertaining, then. It doesn't matter if it's 30 minutes long or 10 minutes long. Like, (laughs) I don't have a goal time. (laughs) I just have a... Yeah, and I think the same with, like, movies, books, anything. I feel like things just need to be as long as they need to be. Like... Exactly. That story or that information fit inside this. It's the reason why, like, emails really bug me. (laughs) (laughs) I get really stressed over emails. Which is why uh, Nigel tends to send me an email with like all the information and then messages me on Discord. Yeah, <laughs> because I've, uh, I'm I've like out a, how people work. Yeah, I'm like uh, I find emails are just like a whole load of fluff with minimal information in, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like I just want the point. I just I just want to get there. I don't want to. Yeah, so I'll like send the fluff and then I'll say like, here's what you need to <laughs> keep. Yeah, here's keep the highlights. Mind, here's the, here's the bullet points. <laughs> I mean that that point kind of takes us into the the main discussion as well, uh, and we'll find out more about like what Jed is up to and where you can find him. But just that point about sort of stories being as long as they need to be uh, yes. kind of carries us into this idea of streaming and how it's changing storytelling. Uh, so what I want to know is for each of you, which which services do you subscribe to i know jed uh you're on shutter so i got that oh i'm on everything so okay let me let me see so yeah netflix amazon uh shutter arrow video which is a new stream service just for horror i'm i've got the criterion channel as well uh which shows all the movies released by criterion some of the best movies of all time um i'm on mubi what else have i got i'm just looking down my list of things i think that's it oh um, um disney plus as well um but i'm gonna get probably get rid of it after loki maybe 
Mm-hmm. So <laughs> that's what you think. I think Disney <laughs> has other brands. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> um, what about you, Tazzy? Because uh, I know Disney Plus. Uh, I know that at least. Yeah. So at the moment, it's Disney Plus and Netflix that I'm personally subscribed to. But like, I have access to Prime. Cool. All right. And I have the same. I don't use it. <laughs> Prime's pretty good. The only reason I don't watch Prime is because Netflix is just on my TV. Disney Plus is very purposeful. It's like... You know what you're there for. (laughs) I know what I'm there for. I'm going to And then Prime, I just... It's just... I've already gone off, kind of thing, if that makes sense. (laughs) It's It's the third one. So normally Prime is like when I'm at my friend's house, like my bubble house. (laughs) <laughs> then I, like we'll watch stuff on prime there all right so yeah we've got a sense of what everyone's got everyone uh knows who jed is and and what he's done uh so like i said with this idea of story as long as it needs to be looking at the differences between streaming uh shows and your traditional format tv which certainly had like a format like this number of episodes uh typically this number uh this length of time for an episode to fit in this number of ad breaks uh whereas what we've got now is streaming has changed the format so now we're more into binge watching and there's no need for ad breaks so even my sort of first question even like jed you might be able to shed some light on that is i know in terms of shows that come on like network tv like ads are very important now that that's sort of been taken out for funding in favor of streaming uh subscriptions how has that changed like the way films or shows are funded like what have you seen in that sense oh well there's definitely more opportunities for like content makers to get their stuff out out there um there seems to be a lot of money around as well and because it's all very spaced out and all very niche, there's like a lot of niche streaming platforms. There is definitely a chance for more people to get stuff made. Like, especially in like the stuff I'm doing in horror, there's multiple streaming channels for horror now. So you can take it to those or you can go, go somewhere a bit more mainstream. Um, it just feels like there's so many opportunities out there. I think it's a real good time. And I know there's only so much. Like I'm spending an absolute fortune every month to subscribe to all of these channels. <laughs> I realize that. Um, but I just think it's I need to keep up to date with what's out there and what's what's going on and, and the kind of stuff that's on those channels. Um and I just love I just love watching things. I just I just love it. Um I was subscribed to Crunchyroll for a little while, but I'm not on that anymore. But yeah, it's just opportunities. Yeah, it's lots of opportunities out there for 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 new and current filmmakers to make stuff. Tazzy, like we've spoken about sort of binge watching uh, before. Um, I am I'm not a binge watcher. I think it's just something in my brain that after an hour, I just need to do something else. But binge watching is like a, a thing. So how do you see that as, as changing the way we are, I guess, consuming shows, but also just like the types of shows that are made where you don't have to like, you know, end on a cliffhanger where you know someone's going to watch this next episode right away? Yeah, so... Like, me and Boon Vonshin have a complicated relationship. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've actually had to turn off autoplay. Oh, wow. <laughs> because there's some shows. So 
I was saying to Nigel before, I'm actually really happy that Disney Plus have decided to release these kind of like really big properties um, and do the episodes weekly because it makes it, it adds a different level of enjoyment to it. And I was really, and I've said that I wish Netflix had the option to, so that you could choose if you want to binge watch it or if you want to like them to drip feed it to you. That's a good shout, yeah. They should ask you. (laughs) (laughs) Like, because I had this issue with Bridgerton when that came out. Um, I watched the first episode and really loved it. And I was like, right, this show is so good. Like, I'm really enjoying it, but I really want it to like last me. And I was like, I'm I'm only going to watch one episode a day. That didn't work. Because uh, <laughs> it's too easy <laughs> for me to just carry on watching. And that, this was before I'd turn off autoplay on Netflix. That, that is actually the reason I turn it off. Because I got to the end of it and I was like, I, I found myself coming up with excuses as to why I can watch it. I'd be like, I need to do the iron in. So I'll just watch one more episode. Yeah, it got to the end and I was like so upset that I no longer had that show to watch and of course I can go back and watch it again I've done that with The Witcher I've done that with um what else have I done that with I've done that with, with a few shows but it's not the same I get that yeah and like with the Mandalorian second season because I didn't have Disney Plus for the first season I was watching it like each week a couple of weeks like I'd miss I wouldn't watch it straight away and like maybe have two to watch one week that's what I do yeah and then it was like way it was so much more fun that anticipation yeah (laughs) I'm such an advocate for that and I think streaming offers this like perfect blend because before like with traditional tv I would just be I'd just miss episodes and stuff because I I've never really run on I'm not good at running on a set schedule so I just miss episodes and then you get, you watch it next week and you're like, well, I missed an episode. I don't know what's going on. Da, da, da. So streaming is like got this perfect blend. But sometimes I just want to binge watch something. Like that's the goal. And it, some shows it, it, it works really well for that. And I think, yeah, just every time we hear you like describe that, I'm just, yeah, there's definitely something different with me. Because I, so I'm watching uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier and uh, I thought I'd catch up before this recording, but I haven't. So I've got episode what's the latest episode i think i think it's five well i'm i'm minus one on whatever the episodes are and i think the other day i was i started watching first episode to catch up and it got to the the end so i'll generally try and avoid spoilers um do this but i got to the end and it's like a big kind of moment i was like yeah uh see you next week <laughs> i know i've got one one more episode in in the list but yeah i'm i'm, I'm good i'm gonna go away and digest this and come back <laughs> and watch the ne- next one so it's like I, I just find it hard to just binge but then i also yeah i also get the the i was gonna say the need but the, <laughs> the desire to like all right let's see what's happening next and let's see the the next episode so i can see it working both ways i think just for yeah, me mm. personally just interesting seeing just not like three episodes in a row is binging for me um or if i like, mm. watch an episode at like a day for a week that's binging because <laughs> it's a uh, different different levels but to your your point Jed, that you mentioned like the the more opportunities and that streaming offers something i picked up in uh in forbes uh, actually is uh from rebecca vogels who said we're seeing more character-driven stories with depth and shows that tackle big questions. So just when it comes to storytelling, we're often watching shows like to understand life 
and watch for stories that we can see ourselves in. And I find that streaming gives that opportunity. So we're seeing, you're seeing just deeper shows about what might be considered like niche subjects, but then they can still find an audience for streaming. And for me, that's one of the biggest sort of positives uh, for streaming. Is that something that you've, you've found? Yeah. I mean, um, with a, with like a TV show, especially, um, you can really develop those characters and you can, you can really dive into what makes a character tick. And I am in the process of developing a couple of TV projects as well. One that's been going on for a, a little while and one's kind of new. And it's just really good to be able to explore that character or stay with the character for a length of time. Cause even with host, like you, like you really get to know those girls and really like those girls and it's over so quick. So the beauty of, of uh, ghosts, which I'm guessing we're going to come on to in a bit mm. is you, you spend a lot more time with these girls because it's, it's a, it's a game and you can, you can choose to spend as much time with them as you want really. So, so yeah, it's, it's exciting. The, the potential for um, storytelling in the future and, so many different avenues and so the the audience is rabid for content and i know with lockdown that kind of made everyone watch a lot of things at once and and maybe that will calm down a little bit now but i think we're just kind of used to just being spoiled we're just just (laughs) all these amazing tv shows yeah there's so many out there you know i I will say like when you step back and look at it like the, the quality of tv is just at an insane level like i'm watching sort of like I said, sort of Falcon Winter Soldier and it's like this is this is a TV show. Like this is cinema quality on my TV. Like I used to have to put on shoes and go somewhere to see something like with this kind of quality. And I'm just like, I don't even have shoes on and I'm watching this. <laughs> and it's just in my TV. And it's like you kind of have to appreciate that. And in a way it's good that we've got all these choices, but then there's an element of we're almost spoiled because the like the bar has been raised. So things that were, would have been considered decent like 10, 15, 20 years ago, just people just dismissing. Uh, and I always find, um, uh, I think to, did anyone watch Iron Fist? Uh, yeah. Y- yeah. <laughs> yeah, see, <laughs> just that, that just tells the whole story. I have story. to laugh, yeah. Yeah, so I, I didn't think it was great, but then I feel like if that show, that same show had come out, so like 10 years before, I feel that would have been amazing. I'm one of the few people that really enjoyed it. Okay. Tell us more. Because I, I don't think I have that, like, I'm not s- spoiled. Well, I'm spoiled, but I'm not a brat about <laughs> it. <laughs> I just appreciate and, like, I enjoyed it. It was fun. It was, like, I didn't take it too seriously. I, I get that. I, I, I think part of it is it the shows it came out amongst so the other sort of Netflix Marvel shows, which is such mm. high quality and then this just did not make that cut. But I'm also the, the person that's like, I don't like too much high stress stuff. And the other shows that came out around it were very, <laughs> a lot darker and heavier. And then this is like light. <laughs> it was so much lighter. And it was like almost a nice break. And I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm there for that. So, yeah, I think it depends. Like I, because I had to take a break from a lot of the shows in that that group because they were just like getting too heavy for me. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is like 
making me feel down and uh yeah like i get really affected by things i'm like i'm a, an empath sponge <laughs> okay i feel like i'm i'm like an empath stone then because i was loving that so much. <laughs> 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 Eating ice cream, watching Jessica Jones. <laughs> so, what did you think of Bo Iron Fist or those that collection of shows, Jed? Iron Fist is the one I I liked the least. Out of that. Um, the first season of Jessica Jones was brilliant, and likewise the first season of Daredevil. But yeah, I mean, I kind of lost lost interest in them a little bit. They just felt like just felt like the same thing like i, I just lo- i love the alias comics where the jessica jones kind of story like kind of came from and and that 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 was my favorite comics for for, for a long time i don't know it's really hard but when they all got cancelled i know a lot of people were up in arms but i was just like uh eh, pro- probably time probably mm. time to be honest and you never know like disney plus might might just revive them or put them what do do another defenders type thing and yeah it's it's just interesting i'd love to i'd love to see something like that but not from the comics i'd love to see like them get like four or five different t- types of tv shows and then stick those people together like maybe you'd get i don't know like lucifer from lucifer you would get um uh, someone from game of thrones whatever and then you stick them all together into one show and see <laughs> and see what happens where you've got like where you've got like you've got john from you got the john from uh game of thrones yeah uh, you've got some other random from another tv show yeah, you've got one of the golden girls. You just stick wow. them in a house together and see what happens. <laughs> like an all-star kind of show. <laughs> I'd love to see something like that, just something interesting. That would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> we'll definitely get to Disney Plus because uh, they have, they've got a lot to say uh, in this sense. Um, but in terms of the, the kind of stories that we see, the other thing that I, I thought was interesting is that as well as like, more opportunities which we've talked about more opportunities for different types of characters and like for me the thing about stories is that it's that chance to see from another person's perspective so someone who isn't you and that's a that's a benefit so when i see like stories that are kind of like the same or the same type of characters same types of scenarios i feel that that will i mean you can make it interesting to a point but that will get boring and you have this, like, I was going to say, like, issue of diversity or, or topic of diversity in stories. And I always feel like the value in terms of stories is you get different types of stories and more interesting stories because of that. So, Tazzy mentioned sort of Bridgerton, which has, I haven't seen it myself, but it's quite diverse cast. Uh, Orange is New Black, Russian Doll with, like, female leads, The Mandalorian, which I still have not started uh, by Will. What? I know. <laughs> I know it will, and uh, the boys even is like has quite an interesting <laughs> mix in in their cast, and so you've got yeah. uh, women and people of color, and I always wonder like when you see like these shows and they're successful, I always wonder why wasn't this more of a thing before streaming services? Is it just because people, I say people like networks or companies, not wanting to take risks or thinking audiences aren't ready? for that but what do you think jed i don't, I don't know really um just about taking more risks or why yeah taking more some different types of characters because there's there's this like it almost seems like there's a narrative of if i put a certain type of character in there people will automatically switch off 
but I, I feel like there's the potential for the other way around. It's like if you make a good story from a different perspective, you can you can bring in more people. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Like the, it's something I kind of like discuss with people about horror. Like we we've seen the same like five six stories over and over again. There's only so many times you can have a white family moving into a haunted house and then. And then ghosts haunt them, and then that's it. Yeah, you you need something different. You need different voices. You need diversity. So you can tell that same kind of standard story that everyone likes, but if you if you do it through from a different viewpoint, then you'll just get it'll just be more interesting. And it's almost like I mean, to put it very basic, it's almost like you get a coloring book, and you've got you've got like coloring a rainbow, and you've only but you've only got like one <laughs> colored pen. Like it's gonna it's gonna be a bad drawing. So like, yeah. I don't know why there's. It's just obvious to me, and obviously there's a there's a rabid community of people out there that want to see these things. Why limit it to like a real niche? But yeah, I also think that because of all of these streaming platforms and all of these real niche platforms as well that do specific genres, everyone's going to have a chance. I think if if you're a decent enough filmmaker or writer or or, or anything, you would, you'll probably get your chance if you just come up with something like interesting and like. I'm a guy from the UK. Like I'm not part of the Hollywood scene or anything like that. Not yet, not yet. No, but I'm never going to be. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to ever move to Hollywood or do any of that stuff. I just want to stay. I'm going to stay in South London. I'm always going to be that way because I think that's that's where you get your power from. You get your power from like the people around you and where you grew up, grew up from. If you if you're moving to like LA, you're going to be surrounded by the same things that we see all day every day. I just think it's a really self destructive thing to do if I move there, but. But who knows? I probably will, to be honest. Like, I probably have to for like different projects for a period of time. Yeah, but I'm never going to live there permanently, anyway. But yeah, like, what what do you think? I was just going to say, I love what you said about you know stay staying in staying in uh, the UK and staying in South East, uh, staying in London, um, because I I've noticed like I love seeing shows that are based in London. <laughs> And I don't care what time period as well, just as long as they're in London, because I feel like I see so much of like LA and New York and like all these kind of uh, American cities and London's so rich. And then I, and sometimes you get the, the point where it's like based in London, but it's not, it's not by someone from London. And you can tell because they're like, missing things <laughs> or like something just doesn't quite feel right and yeah and I just and even like not just London other other places in the UK but obviously I'm a London girl so biased to wanting to see my yeah, own London's the best, <laughs> best, best even even like Cardiff and and Birmingham and Liverpool and some of the Sheffield countryside or something like (laughs) (laughs) it's where I love like films like um Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead because because they bring out these like really British moments that you can kind of be like oh okay I know like yeah (laughs) totally totally see that but I feel like it brings more people in as well because if you like you just said you you feel like connected to those kind of stories so it's kind of it's bringing you in and if you make these different stories with these different people, and I feel the value of the streaming service is it, it kind of, it makes the case in terms of like numbers. And I know like when you're talking at that level of what's getting produced and what's getting, you know, what, who's making the decisions, 
on some level, it, it does come down to numbers, like who's watching this and, you know, how, how am I going to get my return on investment? Mm. Uh, and I feel like the what was a previous narrative of who is watching TV or what characters, what stories people will accept in a sort of more traditional format is slowly, maybe not so slowly being chipped away at when you see these successes on streaming services. And for me, that then says that, okay, we can have these different characters and what it's ultimately about is the story. Is is the story good? And stories are, you know, you sort of boil it down to its essence. There's not a huge amount of variation of certain types of stories uh, in terms of the foundation stuff. Then it just gives you more flexibility with the characters and when you keep it on the story and just allow for more sort of diverse perspectives. Because, you know, it's not to say you can have a character with a diverse cast and it's rubbish. <laughs> you can You can definitely have that. But I think streaming services give that opportunity for different stories to be told and hopefully then say oh see people do watch this people do want to see them not just the people who see themselves in these stories but exactly other people i want to add just one more thing because we've talked about sh- like new shows coming out um but something that streaming services have done for me is i've been exposed to shows that i didn't even know existed and that are diverse and then got cancelled because no one's watching it but it's like <laughs> But didn't even know it existed. Like this is, you know, it's just been added to Netflix or Disney Star or like Prime. And I I didn't even know they existed before now. So like, how were we supposed to watch them? And I've asked people like, did you know this show existed? And they're like, no. And you're like, but it's great. And then you get to the end and it's just like, it got cancelled. It didn't quite get to finish as well. And then you're like, oh, (laughs) <laughs> and you're like well now it's like you've got so much access and it's like well if i enjoyed those shows that are now old can you make some shows like that but new <laughs> yeah that's true actually and yeah you see even cancelled shows getting new life yeah that's a good point so i also wanted to think about i mean we we touched on like the sort of the economics of streaming but I know what it does change is then the metrics for success. So if you've got your traditional sort of TV playing in the whatever time slot with this many ads, and you can say this many people watch the ads, that changes when you're talking about a streaming service, which might have a more niche audience. So I don't know if, if Jed, if you know sort of how the, how do you measure a success when it comes to streaming? Like for you, what were the metrics that made host a success? how does that change from a like traditional streaming, uh, sorry, traditional format to a streaming format? Well, like with this, with these streaming uh, platforms, they never tell you like how many people are actually like doing it. So like, it's really hard to gauge it, but I guess it's just a reaction of people on like social media and press reaching out to you and stuff because yeah, my following like just increased so much and, like I went from like maybe getting a couple of retweets here and there to getting like a thousand retweets for like some of my posts now. And it's just like, wow, that like, what's going on? This is like crazy. So yeah, you don't, you don't kind of really know until it kind of happens. And that, well, I guess the big thing for me was when I was on BBC breakfast and, and ITV news and, and it's just like I'm on TV and people coming out the woodwork that I knew from years ago saying, just messaging me, Hey, I saw you on the news. Like, holy moly. And like I'm like yeah. How did that feel? Uh, it was kind of cool, but it was also weird because it was almost like 
wow, like uh, I have no control over this. This is like a juggernaut, like an out of control train or something. Like got no control of it, and it, it's just like plowing through things. And I just have to just <laughs> just sit there, just, just hold on. Let it happen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So and yeah, and like the the roller coaster analogy is like really good because like like it's just like it's kind of scary, but like it's exciting at the same time. You just don't know what's going to happen next. And yeah, and obviously you can kind of. You can kind of try and steer it in the right direction, this runaway train as, much, as best as possible. But yeah, it's kind of out of control now. Like once once your name's out there, then it's out there for good, really. And you just have yeah. to kind of keep making cool stuff. And if but the thing is, like for me, if it ended tomorrow, cool, fine. Like I'm fine with that. I'll, I'll be I'll be happy doing the stuff I'm doing. I'll I'll still be like making games. I'll still be making my films. But yeah, I'm I'm not really in this for like get like fame or anything like that so i just want to make cool stuff that's that's cool because now you've got you've got both <laughs> whether you like it or not isn't it it's one of those <laughs> well i just thought while we've been speaking like do you know uni lads that web- website like in the yeah. popular put up an article about me as 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 we're speaking so like it's like that's cool it's like it's like on their front page right now yeah no it's it is it is kind of mad like just way it's going and yeah it's got to be such a weird feeling and like so when you said you finished with or you wrapped host you sent it off and it went out and i imagine then you started seeing like you say you started seeing the press for shudder for them it must have been like a bunch of people are watching this and that's kind of like let's get this guy back like have they asked you to come back and make something else or how does that work like once you get that success so our success basically meant Shudder's success as well. And shortly after, so many people signed up to Shudder because of Host. So they announced their millionth subscriber like a little while after Host came out because we just, everyone was subscribing to their channel for Host. So obviously they wanted to do other stuff with us, but we can only, we can only say yes so many times. So I, I, I do want to still do stuff with them. Like just have to pick the right project, have to find the right thing, because when you when you start working with the bigger studios, sometimes it's quite hard to kind of then go back and and do stuff for a, a smaller budget. Right. I want to though. I actually, in the last week, I was offered something that's going on Shudder for me to participate in. But yeah, we'll we'll see. I haven't I haven't said yes or no to that yet. But um, yeah, I, I love Shudder. I subscribe to it, so it's always good like to see my stuff on it. And I guess it's, it's that idea of subscribers, like you say. So they saw they would have seen a boost in subscribers and massive, massive, massive boost. Yeah, yeah. Like like that is the thing now is we want people subscribing to our service, and because then they get sort of the monthly kind of revenue from that. So I guess that's now the exactly. the measure of success. So if you you're making something that can contribute to that, then it's like okay, we need to talk to this guy. Uh, do that again yeah. <laughs> basically yeah so. well i think even they know it's kind of impossible to replicate host like because it came along at the, the perfect time the first time in history when everyone is inside yeah <laughs> and we we did we were the first ones out of the gate with something like this it's, you, you can't repeat it it's it's um and which is why i think like like in, in years to come like in the history books host will still be talked about because because of that and I to be quite honest, I thought it would die down by now, but it's it's just bigger than ever. To be quite honest, <laughs> like still getting like press requests from all over the world, and oh, it's madness! Mm-hmm. It's madness. 
I'm guilty of not having watched it yet, mainly because I can't watch Pazzy, it by come myself. On. <laughs> I, no, I, okay, so I can't watch one by myself, and um, so it's just waiting for my friends to watch it with me. I'm like, come on, okay. we need to watch this. But I did see it, like, I don't know, must have been around when it was in the UK cinemas in October. And I remember seeing it, I was like, I already said to them then, I was like, we need to watch this. I, so I was just like, this is this looks so cool. And we watch, like, they're the only people I watch horrors with. We do, like, a good horror and then, like, a really bad horror. <laughs> and I was like, this could be one of our good horrors, like. Exactly. But when you watch it, let, let, me know what, let me know what you think. Oh, 100%. Like, I'm, I'm debating whether I can just, like, watch it on my own. I don't know i don't know though i like i live alone mm. and i'm i'm such a scaredy cat yeah probably not i don't know if i can deal no probably not <laughs> just, <laughs> it's too real to, as well like, that's what i was gonna because it's so like it's not this isn't made up this is like we've been in zoom calls <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know what this you know what this looks like so it, it feels, feels like really some authentic. fantasy yeah i think i'd say if it was like a some fantasy setting or something then maybe i say like tazzy yeah just watch it yeah um, yourself but it's like my real, evening yeah this, this looks yeah because you'll you'll like watch the film it'll finish and then you'll be looking at your screen and it looks the same like it's, yeah, that's exactly. what that's the same view, and that's so. what always gets me about watching watching horrors is the after so that's why i need to be, be watching it with a group where afterwards we like chill out and talk and then it like i'm not so affected by it if i watch it on my own the net, like the next day, my imagination is just gonna like pocketed it for later. <laughs> Bring that back up. <laughs> and it's gonna go. Oh, you remember that thing that you watched? By the way, <laughs> you're on Zoom right now. Uh, <laughs> it's dark. How are you feeling? <laughs> I'll be like, oh my god, exactly. what was that? <laughs> That's kind of what, what I want people to do. Like just the the line between reality and fiction, just to be totally blurred, where they think, oh, this is really happening to me. And when you watch it, you will think you will think it's happening to you because you really grow to think of these girls as friends because mm. or a participant in a zoom call it's like it feels interactive so so yeah you're not selling it to me my brain doesn't need any more help with making <laughs> like blurring that line it's very good at doing it itself so yeah. <laughs> no but i will definitely have to uh instantly let you know <laughs> uh, so i and i want to introduce uh disney to the conversation and and like look at the sort of yeah the where we're going with like streaming because well because of the year that was 2020 like the the landscape of streaming has changed and particularly when it comes to like cinemas because we couldn't go to cinemas so therefore that typical sort of window that release window where something will come out in a cinema and I think is it like 90 days until it can come out on DVD, Blu-ray or streaming service, something like that. Now, obviously, when you can't go to the cinema, you kind of have to put things out on the only available option. So we saw that with streaming services. Um, we saw Disney Plus with Black Widow being postponed and pretty much sort of the whole Black Phase 4 being postponed. But Black Widow being postponed. And now that, at least in America they're sort of opening or they were never closed but people are sort of going back to the cinema in the uk we have a roadmap um out of lockdown 
But Disney, despite having a Disney Plus service, actually never sort of relented and released Black Widow on their platform. They said, or they held, held a line of they were waiting, you know, for things to return back to normal. I think now they've announced like a, a dual thing of cinemas and streaming platform. And then we also saw Warner Brothers announced in December that it will release its entire 2021 sort of release lineup on their uh, H- on the HBO Max service at the same time they're releasing films. So that includes things like uh, Dune uh, and Matrix 4. So when it's out in cinemas, it's also out um, on that platform. So it's kind of changing things going forward. And with like going back to Disney Plus, you now have like the biggest <laughs> media entity sort of entering the streaming, uh, the streaming war, uh, as it were, uh, up against Netflix. What do you think about someone like Disney? Well, there's no one else like Disney. What do you think about Disney uh, entering this? Where we've just spoken about the idea for streaming, or a good idea of streaming is that you're seeing opportunities for different types of shows. Um, different types of characters whereas Disney are very much the corporation we're making things for everyone we now have a streaming service and it's growing it's building it's gaining more uh, power so Jed what do you think about sort of Disney's efforts in streaming and how that will impact things I'm completely fine with it I'm I'm a big Disney fan like I know a lot of people oh me too (laughs) that's that's part of the the inner conflict (laughs) For me, like it, like it. Just imagine you were a kid and someone, someone told you, "Oh, there's going to be a Star Wars film out every year, and there's going to be multiple Star Wars TV shows." You, you got to think we are living in absolutely golden times, and we would have literally chopped our legs off, like if you teenagers, geeky teenagers, and someone told us all of this stuff would be available. Like know, the amount right? of stuff, everything I like is happening. Basically, like yes. <laughs> it is cool, and Disney are a big part of that. Like all the, all obviously all the Marvel stuff, all the Star Wars stuff. It is just giving me everything I want. So, like, honestly, like, if if Disney if Disney told me to j- to go jump off the cliff, I probably would because they they've they've <laughs> done enough they've done a lot for me. So so there's no way I can I can never say anything bad about them because they're just giving the fans exactly what they want. Like, I think Disney are being a bit daring. I think it I think it changes how Disney approaches things having Disney Plus. Not like super daring. It's not like they've gone complete, but they're telling stories that not everyone's into, and that like just isn't. It's just it's just a little bit not Disney, if that makes sense. Yeah. Do you mean with the Marvel stuff, or just with other things that you've seen on Disney Plus? Um. Well, I've only really new stuff. I've only really watched Marvel and Star Wars. <laughs> properties so but yeah like we're you know with with what they've done with marvel and what they've done with the mandalorian like i have had so many like conflicting opinions about the winter soldier falcon and the winter soldier because for some people they're like this isn't the story i want to see <laughs> like this isn't how it's supposed to go and um what is that as in in terms of like what the comics or just with these characters what i've seen so far this is not what i was expecting yeah like with these characters so far this is not what this is kind of like not what i had in my head what and um like i'm i'm just someone that like sits back and enjoys the story that is being told to me rather than trying to i mean with exceptions of 
one film that <laughs> obviously I was very opinionated of. But from, for the most time, I'm like, I'm just going to enjoy the show that's being given to me, enjoy the story that's being given to me. Because if I wanted a story to go how I wanted it to go, then I'd write it. <laughs> or play a game, right? Yeah. Kind of. So, yeah, and I... But I just like some of the stuff that's I'm not caught up on Winter Soldier. Some of the stuff that's in that, I'm like, okay, they've done that. Like, I'm not expecting Disney. I would have thought that treads on too many people's toes. Hmm. I've not watched any of it yet. I haven't watched any of, uh, oh, of uh, Falcon, no. Uh, it just seems boring to me. Like, just the advert, just, just the whole look of it. I'm just like, ah, uh, this just looks kind of boring. Have you watched One Division? I've watched all of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Because I was more taken with One Division. Just yeah. because for me that that was a different type of mm, uh, show. That was and, completely different, wasn't it? Yeah, and I like that. And I feel so far Falcon and Winter Soldier. I don't. I'm enjoying it. I don't think it's bad or anything. But it's like it's more of what I'd expect to see. Sort of if you come out of a cinema, you've just watched the Avengers. Like okay, you're they're giving you a bit more. It's a bit. I wouldn't say exactly like it, but it, it feels more familiar in that sense. So it depends. Mm. You know, if you like that, they're kind of giving you more. Uh, I don't mind it. Um, for me, I'm I'm always about the different types of stories. So I like that if you've got Falcon and Winter Soldier, which is more closely to what you'd expect from uh, a cinema release, that you've also got something like One Division that does something different. And as they release more of these shows, I just want to see variety. So if you don't like it, fine. There's but there's something exactly. else for you. And I think what Disney and I agree with what you you've kind of both said, especially Jed, in terms of like Disney are giving us everything we like. I can't even argue with that because <laughs> it's true. It's it is true. It's like this is. I go back to my earlier point about just looking at the TV options that we have, and if you you've just had like a decade of building up the MCU with an amazing. What well, I just think is an incredible effort. Whether you know not all the films were great. And whether you like sort of comic book films, but just what they did in terms of a coherent decade-long story of a multiple film releases with this many actors, I just think that's incredible. And then what I've seen so far with the TV is then they're adding to that universe, that story, mm. in a completely different format at the same sort of, you know, visual quality. Um, it's the same actors. It's not like they just, okay, we can't get the contracts for the actors. <laughs> we have to get like a lookalike. So it's not it's the same people and it all ties yeah. in. It's then going to tie into the next phase. I just, I just think that's like incredible. As someone who writes stories and is trying to do some, on some level, some kind of shared universe with what we do with my man, I'm just like, just like Kevin Feige, I'll be your intern. Like, let me learn how you were, how you were doing this thing. I think it's incredible. Yeah. But I'm going to add a but. Disney are this corporation that is buying up a lot of properties. And I feel looking long term, just this is my back of the head sort of worry that when you get sort of one company with a particular voice that is sort of dominating how stories are told, that then might have a negative impact on either the stories that they eventually tell if they just churn out the same types of stories or other people trying to copy what they do because they're successful, but not everyone can be Disney. And that's my concern when it comes to streaming. Hmm. I'm just thinking of a bit of uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier where uh, a similar concept is spoken about, but talking more of an, an, a singular idol. Yes, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I just think people that have, like, 
they just don't like these big conglomerates. They just, they don't like the idea of like someone being in control. But if that person in control is doing good stuff, then just just let them. What, like, what do you want? Yeah, I know. Yeah, like if if they if if it comes out that they've they've like they're killing people or they're hurting <laughs> someone, fair enough. But until now, all they want to do is entertain. They're yeah. just entertaining us, and they've been entertaining us sixty, seventy years or something. So give him a break <laughs> i mean yeah i get that but yeah i i like kind of like in both camps and i hate people that make me choose a side because i'm like well no there's merit i'm i'm picking the merits uh but um because they've done a lot but also they've done a lot of failings in how they've told stories and what's like they kind of guide the narratives that are told i think that's where the danger is it's like we need to be we need to be aware of it to keep them like to call them out when they fall short yeah because you know yeah there's tons of stories that they've had and like enjoyed but sometimes i look back and i'm like i just realized how toxic that kind of story is or how damaging to a child that can be in terms of the narrative that you constantly see and so when they are the one that kind of shows everything (laughs) It is that, uh, like, other voices can sort of get lost in in it. So it's that balance, like, balance. There's a responsibility to it, yeah. isn't it? It's like, you know, if you have that, you know, the biggest platform, <laughs> you know, sort of you impact, like, way more people. Like, I can make a story and it, you know, goes to a certain number of people. But Disney make a story and it becomes culture in a way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like that. So... With, with great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> All right, so looking forward, we've got like we've got Disney Plus, we've got Netflix, we've got Apple TV, we've got HBO Max, we've got loads of streaming options, and we have a return to cinemas. Maybe, Jed, what do you see as the the future as we come out of the pandemic so do you expect to see this behavior of people just used to watching shows on a streaming service grow and people go to the cinema less or do you still feel that cinema experience is something that people will continue to go out for at the same level that we did before the pandemic well i don't know if you if you notice, but like even before the pandemic, I, I feel like numbers were dropping going to the cinema. Like cinemas are always empty. Like you go to the you go to the view in Islington, I, I've actually never seen more than like about ten people in any screen <laughs> at any time in that cinema. I don't know what's going on. But yeah, like I think independent cinemas so you can just kind of do what they want will thrive, like Peck and Plex, and that's only a fiver as well. Genesis in East London, those kind of and Prince Charles Cinema, those cinemas who kind of have their own vibe, they have their own kind of brand, they'll kind of bring people to them. But these big chains like Cineworld, Cineworld's going to die because one, they don't pay their staff properly, and they try to get rid of them all like as soon as like the like week one into lockdown. Yeah, I saw that. Like I and I'm a I'm a Cineworld card holder, so like that really that really annoyed me that they were just and to, to be honest, their staff kind of i've never seen them actually do anything to be quite honest but still <laughs> they still need jobs i just think that there's going to be more boutique cinemas and i think can't just go watch a film on the day of release and then expect that cinema to survive and now we've been spoiled now we've been given films that come out in cinema the same day as they come out in streaming 
I feel like that's going to be method going forward for those people who kind of want to watch Godzilla versus Kong in the in in the uh, in the cinema, which is something I want to do. For for those for those people, there'll always be cinemas, but there just maybe less of them. So I think there'll be people going, but more busy cinemas because there'll be less cinemas. I think these I think the big chains will die out quite honest like they are in america like a lot of cinemas are closing down now it's it's a real shame because i love cinemas but i think independent ones will hopefully thrive interesting that feels right just because like you said the yeah i think the the business model cinemas was kind of trending down and in so many ways like the pandemic has accelerated trends that were already in motion and i feel it's just it's going to do that to cinema so i i agree i feel that we're going to get less or fewer i don't know grammar but anyway we're we're a lower number of of cinema chains and i think the the behavior our collective behavior has changed because that announcement by warner brothers of you know we're putting things out same day as film release on a streaming service but just for 2021 uh i don't know how you go back from that once people get used to that for a year or more even i don't know how you then say all right now you've got to wait now you have to go out like Mm -hmm. i feel the behavior has changed so i think it's going to go to a place where people you're going to have to really work to convince people to see a particular film in a cinema and i feel that's a shame because i also like the sort of cinema experience if i say that and i'm i'm also like the convenience (laughs) of watching (laughs) something streaming so yeah so it's really interesting one because uh I live, my nearest cinema is a, a Greenwich. So the the cinema, that, them. yeah, it's a cinema that's in O2 and then the Greenwich Peninsula. And they are mostly packed. Yeah, but also like destination. Right, like, actually, the O2, the O2 uh, Cineworld is like pretty much always packed, especially on a Friday or Saturday. Yeah, yeah, like obviously if you go in the middle of the week, it's or like in the daytime it's not but like at the time you a cinema would be packed they're packed like and then not too far from me as well a new cinema has opened up which is like a really weird concept of like a, a new purpose built to be a cinema where's that what in eltham okay wow nice so i'm like maybe it's like an area thing but then also like the old two as well is a general destination or other yeah. things happening so people are going for other things and other there's things. a cinema as well or they're going for a cinema and there's other things whereas you're like i live near uh, a cinema in in enfield in north london and it's kind of out of the way like you only well there's restaurants and stuff but really you're you know you're going there for you're not going to go there for a, necessarily for a destination i feel like you're going there to eat or you're going to a cinema and to eat or vice versa whatever it might mm. be so i feel like those kind of places i worry about <laughs> those places so maybe it's going to be more of like uh you'll see more high street cinemas again and because there's a lot of places where cinemas used to be that they weren't and then it seems like the demand for them now or not now <laughs> yeah. there's no demand for anything outside but also um so then that that's like a uh, cinemas are busy near me but then also just very busy areas and then the other thing that i think is interesting is that we like i see such a conflict between uh the people i know online uh and the people that spend a lot less time online and the trends there uh because the people that i know that don't really spend time online or at least on social media I like cannot wait for a cinema 
because they just want to go out. And so I feel like it's going to be really hard when things, I think at first it'll be, I don't know, it's really hard because there's there's going to be that moment where it's like people are just going to be going out for the sake of going out. So like yeah. any reason <laughs> yeah. to go out will be a good reason. <laughs> so I think it will take like at least a year of like complete freedom like once all the barriers are lifted to really be able to tell what's happening yeah i think you're right i think time will tell right and i just i just think like hollywood like like they were really slow to react to like things and like mm. there, there was there was almost like no backlog like films so like w- when we were stuck in lockdown there was hardly anything coming out and uh maybe now they'll they'll try to like have a backlog of films like make films and uh, and maybe just kind of have a, a bigger buffer between now and future just so just in case something like this happens again they've got a whole they've got a bunch of stuff like like to actually be released that makes sense yeah i definitely feel like the like the industry has changed <laughs> it's just like oh, some people need to catch up more than others but it's definitely changing the way people sort of consume shows and films mm-hmm. has changed and will change so i think yeah like a year uh two years from now it will definitely look different but what we can be certain is disney will be there (laughs) making uh making all sorts of of things on disney plus uh and other services as well can i just sorry (laughs) i just want to highlight something as well that i feel like well what i hope to come from it is that that because if people are demanding the cinema less and and it means that people are going to want to go to the cinema for like a reason you know films that you need to watch in the cinema because you need that big screen and a really good uh, sound system but just as well like it'll be why am I going to go to the cinema that will have like way more impressive films and that you'll go for like a whole experience yeah uh so maybe there'll be like less but higher Mm. quality I could see that I could definitely see that happening yeah, so that, that, that people are going for a certain experience or, or a story that is really beneficial to have, like, the crowd reaction. Like, the Joker was, like, a very special experience being w- around so many people. Or Endgame. Yes. Endgame as well. I watched that in, uh, I watched that in the US, uh, in, in the California cinema, like, a couple of days after it came out, so it was packed. And that was, like, the one of the best cinema experiences that I've ever had. I'm not saying it's necessarily the best film ever but definitely the best experience and experience. reaction and everything yeah, yeah. and because i've also like noticed a trend of like how many job postings for tv extras for tvs rather than films like there is so much tv constantly and i see way less for films yeah so yeah let us know it's like yeah if you're one of those people that are just waiting to get out of cinema or you're good you've got netflix amazon prime disney plus and that's all you need. <laughs> Let us know. So that's been our discussion on streaming and its impact on storytelling. Before we wrap, we're going to check in with our guests, find out what Jed is up to in the storytelling space and games as well. Yeah. So Jed, we'd love to hear more on some of the projects you can talk about that you've got coming up, any news, and also let us know where we can find you. So I have announced a uh, full motion video game, like those ones from the 90s, like Night Trap or Phantasmagoria. Um, I'm doing a live action game called Ghosts featuring the cast from Host. And that is going to be released through limited run games and on all formats in February next year. 
and uh, Trevor Henderson, the creator of Siren Head, is designing the creatures for me, and Jim Henderson's Creature Shop is uh, making them. So I've kind of got a dream team. Oh, also the, the the artwork, the guy who does the artwork is the guy who did the original artwork for Evil Dead and Nightmare on Elm Street as well. So literally just picked the, the best names literally in the world and just got them together like the A-team. And So I can add this to my uh, horror stream list. <laughs> yeah, well, this is, it's a video game, so you'll be able to like play, play it um, but in live action. And it's kind of a... The rare thing is that it's can only be played at 10 p.m. in any local time zone because the conceit is that you play a producer of a TV show um, that starts at 10 p.m. So the game will only work at 10 p.m. Or or maybe maybe there's a way around it if 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 you're clever. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but there's a uh, but yeah. So that's one of the things that obviously got a bunch of movies. Blumhouse three movies for Blumhouse. Samurai movie, Studio Canal movie. A couple haven't been announced and. Some more games that haven't been announced yet as well, which I can't talk about. But yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Jed Shepherd, J-E-D-S-H-E-P-H-E-R-D. Same on Instagram. And I'm on Clubhouse as well. If, if anyone uses Clubhouse, find me on there. Just type my name in, uh, Jed Shepherd. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Well, can't wait to hear more about uh, some of the ones that you can't talk about yet. And but yeah. what you have <laughs> spoke about is super interesting. Like there's just so much to look forward to. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Securing that that long term future, like you say. <laughs> so, That's it. That's what I'm all this about. Signed, definitely. I like it. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. No, thank you for joining us, Jed. It's been, uh, yeah, it's been really good to hear like how Holes came about, a bit more detail, uh, and just get your thoughts on uh, streaming and storytelling. I know, uh, any time, guys. Yeah, like I really enjoyed it. Thank you for asking me to come on. No problem. So, yeah, listeners, if you've enjoyed this episode. Make sure that you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a future episode and you can go back and listen to the the backlog. We're building up a, like a backlog of episodes now. It feels kind of cool. So you can also rate us on Apple Podcasts. Just help us reach new listeners and fans of story discussion. I mentioned at the top, our next manga, Serious Through the Fog, is coming this spring slash early summer. Uh, but we started, we started the artwork. It's in progress uh, and it's coming. So you can also check out the current stories that we have at mymatter.com forward slash manga and we've touched on gaming a little bit uh, people may know that we have our own gaming event called gamepad uh, you can join the gamepad discord and also become a studio 77 member for exclusive access to gamepad events on a monthly basis and content from the my matter universe our next event will be in summer uh, we are still to confirm the date for that but yeah, just follow us online or head to gamepad.events and you'll find out when we have that all confirmed. Um, but we've also got like regular monthly panels, interviews and game nights now as well. So check that Did out. We're at Comic-Con, Nigel, as well. And In Comic-Con. October. Nice. We're going to be at Comic-Con when they let us, when they let us out. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I, will, I will remember that Jed and I met and it will be like a... I'll turn up and you'll be like, "Yes, how can I help you?" I'm like, "Yeah, no." You're just like, um, "Yeah, it's like," and I'll be like, "Oh yeah, I remember you from the last show, but you've never been on our podcast. I don't usually get you on the podcast." (laughs) That's that's how that conversation is going to go. It's because comic cons are different. It's a different world. Like, I don't remember anything in the past year. That's like that's the old world. (laughs) We met in the old world. (laughs) Also, at Comic Con, you're in a certain mindset, aren't you? Like, especially if you've got like a stall there. Yeah a different mindset you don't 
expect to see people you know kind of that's true but thank you for covering me but yeah so stay tuned for more podcast episodes including creator interviews video game discussions and deep dives into stories across pop culture you can always give us a shout directly our email address is feedback at mymatter.com and our website with links to subscribe is mymatter.com forward slash story x story so until next time stay tuned and stay safe everyone we'll see you again Thank you.